Well, good evening, everybody. It's lovely to be here in sunny Coombe Down, it's called, isn't it? So, um, as you can probably tell by now, I'm from another place. But, um, um, but I, I live in uh, South Gloucestershire. My wife is English, and we, we just live up the road up there, just the other side of Bath. It's a blessing to be here. You may have noticed the table as you came in. I work full-time. My full-time ministry is the Society for Distributing Hebrew Scriptures. You may know of that from Alec Passmore. I spoke to Alec just a, a, a week or so ago. He's a good friend of mine. He's our chairman, and we give out the Word of God to Jewish people. Um, just very briefly, just for a few moments... Uh, that is one of the editions that we do, the Hebrew-English bilingual scriptures. If you've got sharp eyes, you can see all the jots and tittles there on the Hebrew and the English around it. We do many languages, okay, and we give the Jewish people the word of God. The point of that is Old and New Testament. But the point of that is that most Jewish people today do not have a copy of God's word. And um, so the best way to reach the Jewish people with the gospel is to give them the word of God. And that which is Jewish in the first place, Old and New Testament, is Jewish. And uh, we praise the Lord. We have a Jewish saviour and the Messiah of Israel, the Lord God. And that's what we do. And it's just an amazing blessing to give out uh, the scriptures. Less than a week ago, I was in North London giving out the scriptures and the reception amongst the Jewish people, is absolutely wonderful. Some of them have tears in their eyes. And bearing in mind that it's probably the first time many of them have held a complete copy of God's word um, before. Uh, uh, well, they haven't held a copy before. The first time in their lives, perhaps. And uh, the Lord is blessing it. Uh, we praise the Lord. Uh, I speak about the work to churches and um, uh, uh, like special meetings, you know, a deputation meeting and so forth. I won't tell you much more about it now just for the sake of time. But if you would like to know more, come and ask me after the meeting. I'd be uh, happy to uh, tell you a little bit more about the work. Or you can uh, also pick up a copy of our magazine, The Lamp and Light, which is on the back on the, in the, on the table just there, okay? And it's got news about Israel, distribution reports, biblical articles, you know, quite often prophetical as well. Uh, people tell me how encouraging they find that magazine. You're welcome to take it. If you'd like to receive it, just put your, little, uh, your name and address on this little form here and hand that to me. There's some uh, forms on the back and you'll receive this every two months. But uh, we are very encouraged, very, very encouraged by what the Lord is doing in these days. And through his work. So we praise the Lord for that. Now I would like to preach from a very well known passage of scripture. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Just a little context with this. As you turn there. John, the gospel of John is a proclaiming the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. The four different Gospels have different um, aspects of our Lord which come out of the Scriptures, but John particularly his deity and how he is and how the Messiah must be the, uh, uh, the Saviour and the God of Israel. And John records many miracles, and particularly this miracle, which the Lord does, and they were all signs. To the children of Israel, to the Jewish people, Israel is the, Jew, uh, the Jewish people, 
Um, and that's what it was for, signs to them. And you often read in here, and we'll read it tonight, that, that they might believe. That they might believe that he is the Messiah, um, the Savior. Well, let's read a good portion of John chapter 11. The Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into uh, Jordan, uh, sorry, Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit, Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad, for your sakes, that I was not there. To the intent, ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And we do pray and trust the Lord to bless the reading of his precious word to our hearts this evening. Well, let's just come again before the Lord in prayer. Almighty and eternal Heavenly Father, thou art the most high God, the one with whom all men have to do those who are believers on the Lord Jesus Christ and those who are unbelievers, all will one day be an answer to thee. And we thank thee, Father, yet we have that one perfect and sufficient sacrifice which we have already sung of, that even the Lord Jesus himself, which has taken upon him our nature and became sin for us, a curse for us, and died at Calvary. And Lord, by his blood, by simple repentance of our sins and belief in him, on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved through faith. What wonderful, wonderful, marvellous uh, atoning work this is, Lord. The blood and nothing but the blood. And we thank thee for Calvary as we often uh, uh, um, remember on what we call Good Friday, but also for that empty tomb. On Sunday, the Easter Sunday, the Passover Sunday, it is such a marvellous thing, Lord. And we praise thy holy name. And we pray, Father, that we may be a people loving thee and a people who are students of thy word, uh, uh, devouring thy word because of thy great love towards us in, in it, which we can find. And Father, we pray that you would move our hearts this, this evening as we minister thy words. Move me, Lord. Cleanse me from my sin. Move me aside that the people would hear thy voice speaking and not myself. And I pray, Father, that if it is one here who is lost, one here who is in, yet in the kingdom of darkness, that they would see their lost and perilous estate before a thrice holy God and repent of their sins and believe in thee. 
And I pray, Father, that for all the saints gathered here, those who are believers, that you would speak to our hearts, convict us, but also edify us and bless us, not through myself, Lord, but through thy precious word. And we thank thee that we have a wonderful saviour. We do pray for the Jewish people that they would have their eyes opened to their Messiah and as they read thy word and that they would receive thy word also. And we thank thee that we Gentiles in this far removed corner of the earth know the God of Jacob as our refuge. Glorify thy name, our Lord, we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So again, the context of this Um, As you go through John, there's a greater and greater crescendo of the conflict between between the Lord and the Jewish authorities and the Pharisees and the rabbis of the day and the Sadducees and the temple authorities. And you can see that. You just go back a few chapters. But we'll just look at at a few verses from chapter 10. Um, It says in, in verse 23, and Jesus walked... In the temple in Solomon's porch in chapter 10. And the Jews came round about him. They surrounded him and said. How long will you make us to doubt. If thou be the Christ that is the Messiah. Which was important for the Jewish people. Tell us plainly. They said. Jesus answered them. I told you and ye believed not. And he talks about the works which he has done. If you don't believe my works. How are you going to believe the father. And then he goes on to that great small but great discourse on him being the the shepherd the shepherd of the sheep and he talks about in verse 28 um, uh, well 27 first of all my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and we love that verse because it blesses us as Christian believers does it not but verse 28 then it says and I give unto them eternal life think about that for a moment I Christ the Messiah this, this stranger this carpenter of Galilee, telling the Jewish authorities who were the centre of the religious world, I give eternal life. Think about that for a moment. I. There is no doubt about the fact that he was proclaiming clearly his deity to them. And the JWs, what I call the JWs, and the Mormons and the rest of them would do well to read that and believe what the Bible says. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Praise God. You don't keep You, you don't keep yourself. God does. I'm so thankful for that tonight. And my father, no man can pluck them out of my hand. And my father, he says, no man can pluck them out of my father's hand. And listen to this, verse 30. I and my father are one. And what was their reaction? They didn't even stop to say anything. They bent down and picked up the stones to throw at him, to execute him. As Jewish people, that was, that was the way, according to the Old Testament, for blasphemy. But you see, that's what they were thought. That's what they, they, and in their unbelief, they neglected the word of God, the Old Testament. They, they had the Old Testament as the word of God. The New Testament, well, they are the New Testament. They didn't have a copy yet, obviously. Um, but they had the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, uh, and yet, in unbelief, they didn't believe that great prophecy of Moses which said, the Lord shall raise up a prophet like unto me from amongst your brethren. To him you shall hearken. And this was in Deuteronomy chapter 18. But anyway, 
Uh, and they said, Jesus says, many good works have I showed you from my father. Uh, for which of these are you stoning me? And the Jews answered and said, not for good works, for, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, makest thyself God. Now, those Jewish people, the Pharisees, the unbelieving Jewish people there, proclaimed the gospel in a nutshell. Man, thou, that man is God. Or let's put it the other way. God became man for us. They proclaimed it without thinking about it. Uh, and anyway, um, uh, he goes on to say uh, the, the same, the same I, won't go, I won't go into it all now, but uh, again, speaking about the same things, about you, you, you saying that I am blaspheming and so forth, um, because I said at the end of verse 36, I am the son of God. And uh, let's read verse 38. But if I do, and though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought to take him again, but he escaped out of their hand. Now, he escaped out of their hand because his time had not yet come. He was the only one who had laid down his own life. No man ever took Christ's life from him. Yes, in a sense, it was our sin. But he laid it down. He said that himself and he would take it again. Now look at verse 40. And he went away again beyond Jordan unto the place where John at first baptized. And there he abode. So he went to Jordan. He left Jerusalem, the center, the religious center of the world, of the, uh, uh, of the word of God, the, you know, where, or what should be the word of God, the temple where the Pharisees were and the, the doctors of the law. He left that and went into the quiet um, regions of um, Jordan. And verse 41, and many resorted unto him, many of the Jewish people. Don't forget, this is all about being a witness to the Jewish people as to who he is. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John's, John the Baptist, that is, spake of this man were true. And verse 42, and many believed on him there. So that's what it's about, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and as a witness to the Jewish people. You see, and this, all these signs, the miracles, they were signs to show that he is uh, the Messiah and also the Son of God, the God-man. Now, into our text, and I'll try and go through this quickly for the sake of time. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. A certain man, a man which the Lord Jesus Christ knew. He loved Lazarus, he loved Martha, he loved uh, Mary, and he often resorted um, to Bethany, and he, he, he stayed there, and he, he had meals with them, and so forth. We read about that in scripture. Um, but this was a, a sad occasion. Lazarus was sick, and it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sisters, naturally, sent, naturally that they would do this, is what I'm saying, sent unto the Lord, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, where was the Lord Jesus? He was um, around about the regions of Jordan. So, let's um, picture a little map of Israel here. Jerusalem is here, and Bethany is 15 furlongs off, or about one and three quarter miles from Jerusalem. It's, a, it's in the same region as Jerusalem, Judea, where the center of Jewish religious life was. The Lord had gone a day's journey, about 25 miles over here to the uh, River Jordan. That's where he was. Okay? 
Um, so, uh, so they sent the message, which was 25 miles away. There were no phone calls or emails or, or any of the rest of that sort of stuff. It took a whole day, the message, to get to the Lord Jesus Christ. That Lazarus over here at Bethany by Jerusalem was sick. When Jesus heard that in verse 4, he said... Now, what did the Lord Jesus do? Did he say, right, right, quick, quick, get, get your bags, get your coats, let's go. He didn't. The Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ, being God, the Son himself, knows the end from the beginning. And he knows your end from your beginning. What I'm saying is he knows all about you and your heartaches, your difficulties and your problems, whatever it is. He knows. But what does he do? He just says something remarkable. This sickness is not unto death. Who did he say it to? His disciples and all the Jewish people, the remnant that were uh, uh, around him, that were uh, uh, gathering around him at that time. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That's the reason for Lazarus' sickness, for the glory of God. And look, it goes on to say that the Son of God might be glorified by so God and the Son are one and the same people. Yes, God the Father, but God the Son also might be glorified to show that he was God the Son and he is going to be glorified by this sickness. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And it's quite an amazing statement. God didn't just give us a plan of salvation and send it to us and say, here we are, get on with it. He didn't just say some technical thing or do some technical, uh, 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 mechanical means of salvation. God came down to where we are, to where we were. And he walked the green acres of earth in Israel he went to people's houses. He ate with them. You know, he was friends with them. He w- laughed and cried uh, with them as well. And he loved Mary and Martha and uh, Lazarus. He loved them. He loves you. And what's remarkable is he loves me with all my faults and sins. Even as a believer, yet he loves me and he keeps me. And no man can pluck me out of his hand. Now, verse 6. When he had heard therefore that he was sick... Did he rush off? No. He abode two days still in the same place where he was. So let's count. 25 mile journey from Jerusalem and Bethany here for the message to get to uh, the Lord Jesus. So one whole day. Um, and then he stayed another two days. So three days had elapsed from the time that Mary and Martha sent the message that Lazarus was gravely ill. Three days now. Uh, And he abode in the same place. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Jerusalem is at the center of Judea, uh, uh, the center of the religious worship of the nation. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews sought of late to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? They, uh, They were concerned because he just escaped from their hands. They were going to stone him to death, execute him. Are there not twelve hours in the day, he answered, if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. You know, he is the light of the world. Christ is the light of the world. And all those who would go with him will see the light of the world, will see Christ. But if any man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. And the same with 
uh, us today, we must be believers in Christ and be saved to have the light. Otherwise, we are walking, stumbling through the darkness of this life. But more than that, I believe that he also knew that his time was not quite yet. And that he wasn't afraid of the Jews, the Pharisees, and so so forth. He came to his own, these people. He loved them. He came unto his own. Of course, he knew eventually that they would not receive him. But anyway, verse 11, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now, the Lord Jesus, the first thing he had said in this was, this sickness is not unto death. And he's just said, he's sleeping, that I may awake him out of sleep. So what is this? Let's read on a little bit more. Uh, The disciples said, Lord, if he's asleep, he's doing well. They thought, you know, he's having a nap. He's having a bit of a rest. Uh, uh, But that's what they thought. But in verse 14, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Now, it seems to be a bit of a, 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 a contradiction, but it's not. He's bringing them um, bluntly, face to face, with the reality. The reality of the fact that for a believer, it is just sleep. It's just sleeping in the Lord Jesus Christ. I notice you, the, 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 the tablet up on there says about falling asleep, asleep in Jesus, uh, Mr. John Bending from all those years ago. And that's what all it is, sleeping in the Lord Jesus Christ. For a believer, it is just sleep. The Lord has said it here. The medics will say that you're dead. But it is just asleep in Christ. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. You'll, know, you'll understand more what I mean in a moment if I explain it more. But I'm sure you can understand what I'm saying already. Nevertheless, uh, I am glad, well, let's read verse 15. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad, he says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. And that's what it's for again, for them to believe, the the disciples and yet the Jewish people, the the nation that uh, he came to. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now there are a few um, ideas upon this verse, but it's highly likely that when he says, let us die with him, that means with Christ, die with Christ. Not Lazarus, but with Christ, meaning he's going to, to, up to finally, up to Judea. Uh, it's possibly, it, it means that. Uh, there are other possibilities of what that means. But anyway, I, I'm going to leave that now just for the sake of time because I've still got a bit more to cover. Now, verse 17. Then when Jesus came, and let's go back to a little map of Israel. Here is Jerusalem and Bethany. A day's journey for the message to come over here. Two days he sat still there. And then another day's journey, 25 miles back up to Jerusalem. So four days. Um, so uh, where were we? Verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So I believe it's for two reasons that he 
specifically made this appointment of time four days later after probably Lazarus died. Because it says, by that time, many of the Jews, not a few, not a bunch, but many of them came to Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother, Lazarus. So they were there to to witness what Christ knew that he was about to do. But also, the Jewish rabbinical teaching of the day, and I, I believe still is, was that when somebody died, their soul would depart from their body and it would, st- it would stay around the body for three days. And then after the third day, if it wasn't readmitted to the body, then it would go and go, the soul would go back to God. Now that was the Jewish rabbinical teaching, okay? Now it doesn't specifically say that in the scriptures, but, but the Lord Jesus, you know, the greatest rabbi that ever was, the master rabbi he was once called, you know, he knew these teachings of the Jewish people. And he was proving to them that no power of this, of this man, or no, nobody's power, could bring this man back to life. Okay? He was definitely dead. That three-day timescale had been passed. So it's four days now. Now, uh, going back to it, Bethany was about 15 furlongs off, about one and three quarter miles. And verse 19, many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was come, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And of course, that was technically correct. He loved Lazarus. He would have caused him not to die, I'm sure. But that's what she, she said. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She believed, you see. And now she's an example of the believing remnant in Israel. Let's look at this. Look at the next verse, the next phrase. But I know. She knew. How did she know? Well, we'll read on and then go into the Old Testament to see. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And again, listen to this. It's so important. Martha saith unto him, I know. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She hadn't read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, had she? She hadn't. So how did she know? Because it's clearly an Old Testament doctrine as well as New Testament. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, um, forgive me um, for going through uh, a number of passages, but we'll try and do it quickly. Exodus chapter 6. Keep your finger in John chapter 11 and turn with me briefly to Exodus chapter 6. And we look at the resurrection according to the patriarchs, the prophets, and, and the poets. John chapter 6, and this is when um, Moses was finding his work of getting Pharaoh to let his pe- God's people go to be very difficult. And eventually, Moses was brought to the very end of himself. And I can't go into it now. I love to talk about this passage. But he was brought to the end of himself to only trust and see what God will do. 
Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord, or Jehovah. And I appeared unto Abraham, and to Isaac, and unto Jacob, those three patriarchs, by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And the next verse, And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. Now let's stop there. Verse 3 is past tense. Okay, let's put it in simple terms. It's past tense. I did appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those three. In Moses' day, they were dead and buried, you know, literally. Um, uh, uh, you know, they were dead. Uh, um, so God did appear to them. And now verse 4, God says, the Lord, the covenant God of Israel says, and I have also established my covenant with them. This is a continual present and future sort of tense. I have established my covenant with them, the land covenant, to give them the land of Canaan, which was to become Israel, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. So, he's saying, I, I, um, I have now established my covenant with them, and they were pilgrims. So, if you're a pilgrim in a land, is it your land? No, no, it's, it's not a trick question. And if you're a stranger in a place... Like if you go into some, somebody else's house, perhaps you're a stranger there. Okay, so it's not your house. But God is giving them the land. And if he's giving them the land, it belongs to them and they are not pilgrims and strangers. So what's this contradiction all about? The point is this. It's the resurrection. It's a clear indication that one day Abraham, Isaac and Jacob will be resurrected and them themselves shall receive the land. It's a very clear resurrection. We, you know, it's Bible prophecy as well, isn't it? About the coming future of the, of the nation of uh, Israel. Now anyway, um, moving on now to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. So that was the patriarch. And now we see the prophet. David is not only a king, but he's a wonderful prophet. The Psalms are so full of prophecy. And I, I, I'm sure you know this psalm. But the, just a few verses at the end of Psalm 16. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. My flesh, this is a messianic psalm about the Lord Jesus Christ. It shall rest, my flesh shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one. The holy one, that can't be David himself, it's the Messiah. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see Corruption, corruption, which 1 Corinthians 15 speaks about. Um, Thou wilt show me the path of life. There is the resurrection. In thy presence, he is seated back in the presence of the Father, his fullness of joy. At thy right hand, the ascension, there are pleasures forevermore. It's a wonderful, um, wonderful uh, truth of the resurrection. And now, Job, turn back a book to Job chapter 19. Still keeping your finger in John chapter 11. Just very briefly in Job 19. And then we'll finish off in John chapter 11. You know, Job is one of those books which you you just have to stop and study. And just let it sink into your heart, into your soul. 
what Job was going through, and eventually uh, uh, um, the truth which Job, Job um, embraced uh, when he uh, when the, the Lord spoke to him at the end of Job. But you know, Job is, can, be, can be seen as quite wordy. There's a, you know, it says the same sort of thing in many different ways, and that's a good thing to get the point across. But here in verse um, 23 of Job chapter 19. Job says this, Oh, that my words were now written. If, if any, everything that I said is forget, forgotten, let this one thing not be forgotten. That they were written, or that they were printed in a book. And here it is, in our hands this evening. And here is the book. These words, what words? Let's, let's read on. Verse 24, that they, these words were graven with an iron pen and lead. Iron pen and lead in the rock forever. You know, just like the gravestones in the, in, in, in the graveyards. They're inscribed in the rock, the granite. And they are leaded for them to last forever. That these words were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. These words, for I know. Just like Mary and Martha knew as the godly remnant of Israel knew their scripture. I know that my Redeemer liveth. There's the resurrection. And that he shall stand. The, re- the Redeemer. Christ. The Messiah of Israel. And of the world. The Saviour of the world. Shall stand at that latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin. According to my own you know, body. Flesh. Worms destroy this body. Yet in my flesh. Shall I see God. Not just his spirit. Not just his soul. But his very flesh shall see God. And let's not beat around the bush. No man can see God and live. The Lord himself said that. Hence, Job must understand here about his glorified, perfected, resurrection body. In my flesh shall I see God. He shall actually see God, it says. And more, whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold. I'm using the King James Bible. The word behold there literally means be held with this fact. Who mine eyes shall behold and not another. Though my reins, uh, the desires of my heart be consumed within me. Now if you're using a modern version it may have a different word from uh, other than another. It may have stranger, but that's what it is. A stranger, it literally means that. And mine eyes shall behold and not a stranger. When Job opens his eyes in his glorified body, in his resurrection body, he shall see God. He shall see Christ. And he will not be a stranger. You know, so many people are worried about death. But when we open, as a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, when we open our eyes, we shall see Christ. And he won't be a stranger. How completely wonderful and absolutely beautiful that is. But there's more. Verse 26 again. Yet in my flesh shall I see God. Capital G and small O and D. God. Usually that um, refers to Elohim in Hebrew, which is God with respect to him being creator. He is our creator. He is our Elohim. But here in this instance, it's specifically not Elohim, but Eloah. Eloah in Hebrew, which is God with respect to him being 
the one who is to be worshipped. So what Job is finally understanding, he says, yet in my flesh, in my glorified flesh, in my body, shall I see Eloah. Finally, I shall worship him, the one who is due my worship. I shall worship him perfectly and as I ought. How often do you grieve over your sinful heart uh, in which you fail the Lord day in, day out, week in, week out, and you just desire to worship him, but you fail him, you fail him, and it grieves you. One day there is a day coming, a perfect day, when your heart shall overflow with perfect praise. Praise God for this. Now, John chapter 11, just to finish off. Verse 24 we read, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And here is that wonderful uh, uh, pinnacle of truth for all the Jewish people listening. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. That which you, the nation, have been reading about. Those who read and understand the word of God, the scriptures, the, what we call the Old Testament. The resurrection which Job speaks about, which David speaks about, which Moses speaks about. And the prophets, I am that resurrection and the life. Do you see the Lord had appointed this, this exact time to arrive at Bethany, those four days after, he knew he went, to, he went to Jordan because he knew that Lazarus had to die, yet he was just sleeping in Christ. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Just like Lazarus uh, uh, here, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And you know what? I, I think this really is speaking of the truth in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 because there are those who will sleep in Christ in the graves and when the trumpet call uh, comes and the Lord, the great catching up I will read about it in verse let's look at the next verse, 26 and whosoever liveth, that is not dies, and believeth in me shall never die believest thou this believest thou this he, he asks to, to Martha and the Jewish people listening believest thou this and he's asking us this evening to believest thou this she saith unto him yea Lord I believe is that, is that the answer of your heart this evening yea Lord I believe and if you are a believer in all the ways that the Lord promises to keep us and bless us in him, with those wonderful spiritual blessings we have in Christ Jesus. Do you believe him? Just for instance, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yea, Lord, I believe. Do we believe that this evening? Let's just move on quickly to finish off. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, or the Messiah, the Messiah of Israel, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went away and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. 
And tonight, perhaps there is one here who he is calling. The master is come and he's calling for you tonight. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was, with, uh, was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, they were all gathering now, um, because Lazarus apparently and um, Mary and Martha were well known in Bethany, and many Jews were coming. And they followed her, um, it says. When they saw Mary, that she arose hastily, she ran out and went out. They followed her, saying, she, she's going to the grave to weep. There. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell down at his feet. She knew who he was too. She fell at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. The very same words which Martha said in verse 21. My brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, And the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. What was happening now is the resurrection and the life, and that's not just some impersonal thing. Christ is the resurrection and the life. He was coming closer and closer, literally, to the last enemy, death. And he was groaning. And, and, and uh, he was troubled. You see, with God, there is no death. Um, there is the eternal death for those who are unbelievers and are cast eternally out of his sight. But death has nothing to do with God. Nothing whatsoever. The great miracle at Calvary is that God died, who is life, and there is no death. In him. And he was coming closer and closer to the grave where death was. You know, um, as, as um, Adam and Eve were expelled out of Eden, you know, the, the, the curse was put upon them. They could no longer be in the presence of God. The curse that one day they would die came upon them. And this was an, a blessing from God, their creator, because for them to live eternally in their fallen state would be a terrible thing for God, their creator, to do to them. So he gave them the blessing of death, that one day they would rise and be perfected and be glorified and to be with God for that eternal fellowship. Now, just to, just to finish off, um, uh, it says... Um, he, he was, verse 33, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have he laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And look at the shortest verse in all of the Bible. Jesus wept. Again, he came now face to face with his great enemy, not Lazarus, but death, the last enemy. And he was troubled. He wept, strong crying. Then said the Jews, behold, beheld with this, how he loved him. He does love his own. He loves all. Behold how he loved him. See, it was all a witness to the Jewish people. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind, they knew his other miracles, his other signs to the nation of Israel. Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have caused that this man, Lazarus, should not have died? 
Jesus therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And I don't think this is just an accident, it's not just a coincidence, because it is a witness to the Jewish people around, uh, and some of those were going to be there in a little while when it was Christ's turn to taste death for us. And he would have the same uh, sort of grave. And it says uh, in verse 39, Take ye away the stone. So the word of God moved that stone. Probably like the word of God moved the stone from Christ's own tomb on that Easter Sunday. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, Thou shouldest see the glory of God. The glory of God. That is God in their midst. About to be glorified. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said. Father I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by. That is all the Jewish nation which is standing by. The crowds of the Jewish people around him. Because of the... um, the people which stand by, I said it, that they what may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Of course, we understand, and I'm sure you've heard this before, he specified Lazarus, or all in the graves. He is the resurrection and the life. All in the graves would have come forth. He specified Lazarus. Come forth. Now this next verse. We often have presumptions about this. Which when you think about it. Are quite ridiculous. But verse 44. And he that was dead. Came forth. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about. With a napkin. Jesus saith unto them. Loose him and let him go. Don't think for a moment. That the door was open to to the grave. And like you get a little picture of a man walking like this. With some grave clothes on out. That's such a ridiculous idea. He didn't walk out. God, Christ brought him out. You see he said Lazarus come forth. Not only did he rise him from the dead. But he brought him forth. He was bound hand and foot. And his face in the thick Jewish grave clothes. He couldn't even see where he was going. And his feet were bound. He didn't walk out. Christ brought him out by the power of his word. He raised him from the dead. And he brought him forth. Lazarus come forth. Now what does Lazarus mean? It's the Greek version of Eleazar in Hebrew. Which means El God. Or El Shaddai Almighty. God helpeth. That's what Lazarus means. God helpeth. He couldn't help himself. He was dead. But Lazarus, come forth. God, only God helps him. And there was no accident that Lazarus' parents named him Lazarus. God helpeth. And this was a witness to the Jewish people. Only God could bring him forth unto life. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot and with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, loose him and let him go. And what is the conclusion of this? Just to finish. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary 
and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. And that's what it was all for, for the Jewish people to believe on him. Unfortunately, the next word is but. But some of them went their ways. So sad, so sad. I think perhaps the saddest verse in the Bible is this. The Lord, when Judas went out from the, from the, the supper and went to the, to, the Jew, to the Jewish authorities, to the Pharisees and so forth, and he said, what will you give me for him to betray Christ? Surely that's the saddest verse in the Bible. What will you give me? He could have had Christ. He could have had life. He could have had the resurrection and the life. But he said, what will you give me? They couldn't give him anything. Nothing. Only Christ gives. And only Christ gives eternal life. But some of them went their ways. But many believed. Believest thou this? The master is come and calleth for thee. Thank you. Thanks. Jewish scriptures and Welsh fire, so <laughs> praise the Lord. Thank you, we do appreciate it. Uh, some beautiful insights there into the world. Thank you, Gary, and uh, we hope to hear you again on these things. Now let's stand and sing what a friend we have in Jesus, number 746, our wonderful Saviour. <laughs>